0: Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, Nick and I sit down with the co-founder and CEO of True Local, Mark LaFleur. I think we sat down with Mark, maybe it was a couple years ago now, it's been some time and True Local was really just starting to get some good traction and they had a wonderful story at that point and Mark was sharing everything that he had gone through, leaving university to start this business and now to see where True Local has come now has just absolutely incredible. In fact, As he walked in here, it was just announced that on the Globe and Mail's report on business report this month, True Local is listed as number 14 on Canada's top 400 growing companies and it's Mark LaFleur on the cover of the magazine, which is super cool. So we sit down in this episode to talk about some of our favorite subjects, which are technology and meat and good quality meat. And if you think that's impossible, it's completely not. Wait till you listen to this discussion. I really think Mark and True Local are really at the center of a bunch of trends that are mashing together here where they're they're able to leverage technology to get us access to local farmers across Ontario and they're doing it right across the country where in different provinces across the country you can get access to farmers who really don't have the time to sit down and create a website and deliver you their meats but they are acting as a bridge between the consumer so ourselves who are looking for good quality local meats and farmers that are right in our own backyard and many of us don't even know how to access that stuff. So we're really big fans. We're customers of True Local. Have been a customer of True Local now, I guess, for two over two years now something like that so we're big fans of the company and to be able to sit down with him and get an update from him is just incredible he so he is so articulate well spoken passionate about his, his business I was getting excited listening about his business when he was describing it so we're just uh wishing him the best going forward I'm sure we'll get updates from him regularly and listen if you are listening to this and you want some real estate information about what's going on in the greater Toronto area And the Golden Horseshoe, you can get access to some of our favorite reports that we've put together on our website at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. My favorite one's on there right now. There's one on there right now that is titled, is university really worth it? Should you spend the money on university or just take the money you would spend on your kid's education if you're the one contributing and buy a property for them and we do some analysis? That one's really you know just a thought experiment. We're not trying to say education is not important, but it was interesting putting that data together. But we also have our, one of our favorites, which is the destruction of the middle class, which maps out incomes, where we take Stats Canada data and map it against Toronto property price and wait till you see that chart if you haven't seen that. And there's a population report on there just outlining all the different growth in the population in this area. And we're currently getting a lot of questions around the population growth here, whether it will continue with all the COVID stuff, immigration is down, and we're going to update some of the re- these reports with some of the things that we're seeing on the streets so you can see what's happening. I'm, I'm really convinced that in North America, we are sitting in probably the, the sweetest spot as real estate investors here. We have so many things working for us in Toronto in the Golden Horseshoe area and of course there's going to always be ups and downs but if you're sophisticated and smart about your investing there might be no better spot than right here in the Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area to be buying an income producing property that's it for the intro with that let's get on with the show
1: are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building the economy health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carrazza. Are you ready? Let's
2: go.
0: Alexander, do I have to give you the one, two, three? I forgot. One, two, three. We're good. Yeah, we <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to start with this because Mark is on the front page of the report on business at the Globe and Mail. And for three seconds, I was really happy for him. I was like, oh my God, this is like a major moment. Only and then, three? Yeah, because then I asked him how old he was and he said 29. And then I got pissed off.
2: <laughs> That's why they put him on the front cover. They wouldn't put an old guy like you on the front cover. No, no, <laughs> so. bit,
0: but 29, no, I guess I've completely forgotten. Yeah. So can you remind me then, when did you start true? Like what, how old were you? It was right at the end of school.
1: Yeah. So I started true local four years ago. So it would have been 2016, but like, that's not the beginning of my business journey. That's the story people like to talk about. But you know, I started getting into business or at least trying to start companies in 2012. So we did that instant messaging app called tell. So that was a massive failure and then took that into a, um, a sharing economy platform called dash task, massive failure. And then started realizing that, look, if I'm going to do this and do it successfully, I need to quit my job. Because for all these other ones, it was always like nights and weekends, and it was always secondary to what I had going on. So it wasn't until I was like, look, I'm going to you know give a full shot at this, that True Local was born. So it's been, uh, it's since I was, yeah, what, like almost 21, 22-ish? And weren't you even selling,
0: weren't you selling door-to-door frozen I was, food? I right? was
1: selling meat door-to-door. Meat door-to-door. And I remember was- those
0: guys. That was great. I kind of liked the negotiating with those guys because I felt like they were sales guys that you could like kind of make a deal with. I just respect making deals. Yeah, I respected
2: the hustle. So I was like, you know what? I want to buy something off this person because if they have enough drive to go door to door and do this, I just respect it. I'm like, I want to do something just to kind of contribute to their cause, whatever it is. You know what I mean?
0: And what's interesting, what Mark's saying is that you, when you decide to quit your job and kind of go all in on true local, um, I find that anyone who wants to make a part-time income in their own business, you can't make part-time income in your own business working part-time. Like you have to, you need full-time plus hours to make it work, even create a part-time income. To get off to get off the ground, ground, you need to create that momentum.
1: You gotta, and that's what I think a lot of people get stuck with, and that's the hardest part, right? Because a lot of people they can't afford not to be working. And if they want to take that leap into their side hustle or if they want to take that leap into quitting their jobs to start their business, usually they have to have some sort of income that will potentially offset their living expenses. But you know how hard it is to even get to that point. It's almost like this chicken before the egg. It's like, okay, I don't have enough time and resources to get this business going. And if I want to get this business going, I need to quit my job. So I can get more time to do it, but you can't quit your job because you don't have the money. And that's the people, the people that succeed, the people that push it forward are the ones that take that risk and decide that, okay, I'm either just going to hustle my life away, literally, because in nights and weekends, you can make it work. Like you can make it to the point where you're like, okay, I'm not making the same. I am with my salary, but I'm making a same, I'm making enough to live by. So it's kind of like this, it's this, it's this crazy journey of, you know, understanding when you can pull the trigger and understanding you know what the levers are that you have to pull so it can get tricky you.
0: yeah good for you man was there a moment I don't know. Nick and I have had a moment, you know, we've been doing this now 13 years. I don't know. Th- I keep,
2: it, I keep, I always say somewhere around 10 and I, I, I keep you? saying that I've said it for a few oh years. So God. it's definitely longer. No, yeah. but for actually, but for it's Mark, for like you're hitting, years, really,
0: yeah. no, but you're hitting a real sweet spot early in this business cycle. And I think the reason that true locals, first of all, there was this movement towards nutrition and eating healthy meat and he, eating local. So you're hitting kind of that trend. But he's also hitting another trend. It kind of just hit me yesterday. You know, we've been talking about Bitcoin a lot. And how about software? So there's a trend
2: water. towards eating meat? I think there's a trend towards eating no, local meat. No, no, no. Sorry. Good a trend quality. Towards quality away from- good
0: quality local okay. meat. A trend. Sorry. Thank you.
2: You need the processed vegetarian burgers. That's mm, all like, you know, vegetable yeah, yeah. oils no, and beans the, and like all the processed. Oh, is that, I shouldn't say that. I'm pissing people off probably by saying that. No. Yeah. I'm going to go so, outside. So, my tire's are going to be slashed. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's fine. But the, there's that trend. That Mark, you're riding, Mm -hmm. but there's also this other trend. You know, we've been talking about software eating the world a little bit. That's the whole VC thing. And um, it's like true local is now really, I don't really want to say this. I feel like, but they're like kind of eating kind of away at grocery stores because now I can just go local. To True Local, get the food I want. I don't really have to. Well, you bypass the supply chain. I, yeah, through the, the software, supply chain right? just gets yeah. crushed. Yeah. And basically, he's, I'm talking now, Mark, like you're not here, but I mean that in a complimentary yeah, right. way that you've created this like software pro- program. Basically, True, True, True Local is a website that I can go to, and the supply chain now gets crushed behind the scenes. Because you're well, even the delivery service I get to get my True Local meat. I noticed lately you're using some some of this, it's like a coolest service I've ever seen. It's like, I think my box got handed off two or three times or something to like, what is that?
1: Um, So you're probably talking about Shipperbee. So that's actually one of the companies that we work with to deliver our packages. So a lot to unpack with what we just said. So I'll take a couple steps back, but you're totally right. Like our whole focus right now is getting people away from the national supply chains. And I think people are starting to realize how fragile national supply chains were with what just happened with COVID. You know, these meat shortages, when in reality, there was no shortage in meat. There was a shortage in processing. So you've got all this pent up product. You've got all these animals and you hear about it in the U.S. They're euthanizing pigs. Right? Yet in the grocery stores, there was no meat. There's no pork. That makes no sense. And that is a result of a national supply chain. There's a bottleneck, there's a very small group of large. Um, uh, uh, large businesses that control the distribution of this product. So what we've been trying to do for the past four years, and especially now with what's going on, is develop Canada's regional supply chains. We want to develop regional supply chains so that way, instead of having to rely on a small number of large individuals, we can rely on a large number of small individuals to get the product because there's more than enough meat to go around in each individual province. So the way that we do that is That's very starting... comforting to hear as a Canadian sitting here. That's
0: very comforting to know that if we all get locked down again, that market Mark is telling us there's enough meat. <laughs> yeah, except more, most, <laughs> Just, just people on that point, sorry, I am I'm cutting you off there, but I just on that point, I'm very grateful.
2: But the problem you're solving is most people don't know where to go to get that because exactly. they only know the grocery store. Well, right? they
1: don't know the distribution and it's because the distribution only really skews towards national supply chains. And if you think about what's the distribution, the distribution is grocery stores. So the business model is let's have a couple really, really big processors distribute nationally to the distribution model, which is the distribution model being the grocery store. Well, if the grocery store can't get supply, Applied, you don't have anywhere else to go typically now you can drive out to the local butcher and the local farmer and that's what we recommend like if you've already got someone that you're working with continue doing and Nick's, that And Nick's been doing that for a while
2: I have to you, for I guess I get I get half a cow every every fall and then I, I backfill with smaller orders from different places but yeah for I don't know probably the last five years or so up in uh, up in the Kitchener kind yeah. of Menangle area up there, I, I yeah. go to. God. Whereas
0: I like going to the True Local website, and it's mm-hmm. a really pretty website. I got to commend you on the website and picking the nice little pictures. See, and I go, I looked, box.
2: I saw the cow, I watched it pee in the grass, and I watched <laughs> it eat the flowers with the pee, and I'm like, I'm going to eat you, and it's going to be so good. <laughs> I talk to it. I talk to my cows. Yeah, you're upsetting
1: <laughs> a lot of people for sure with that comment, but I'm with you. I like do. I like the same. Yeah, you know what? And let me bet. I, I bet you anything during the whole pandemic, they didn't run out of meat.
2: No, they didn't. They yeah. didn't. Yeah. You know what, what's funny? A number of years ago, um, this the the farmer there told me, this is probably two or three years ago, and I, I went up to see him, and I was talking to him. He's like, look, this guy just left from Toronto. It was some Toronto guy. I don't know if it was a restaurant guy or not, and they wanted all his supply. Right. And he's like, I, I, I said no. Like, I, Even though they want it, he goes, I don't want to give it. Then I'm dependent on that one thing. So in that case, if he did that, in today's world... Because of what happened in COVID, he might have been impacted way more, but he kind of was smart enough to be like, no, no, I want to kind of distribute and go to multiple customers and then kind of control his own business that way.
1: For sure. And I think that's actually part of what we're trying to do right now. So right now, like the way you guys are ordering is using the True Local Marketplace. So once again, we're talking about distribution. So the idea of the national supply chain's distribution model being grocery stores. Well, our distribution model is actually, we'll take all this product and we'll take it to one central location. And then what we do is we're able to get products from all of these different farmers. So all of your favorite farmers and all of your favorite products, beef, chicken, pork, lamb, buffalo, uh, wild caught fish, You know, um, whatever you need, we have it in one location and then we can distribute it across across the entire province. That's the distribution model. So instead of having multiple grocery stores in multiple cities, we have one distribution model, uh, one distribution center within the province. But taking it one step further, when you talk about, you know, do you really, does a does a farmer, does a producer, does a butcher really want to sell to just one person? No, never, right? It doesn't matter how much we can say, hey, we can move all of your product. It just doesn't make business sense. So what we've been moving towards to try to push this uh, regional supply chain model further is actually a product called True Local Connect. And what True Local Connect is, is actually we're going to be giving um, individual farmers and producers their own little e-com shop, so it's not like you have to go to the True Local website anymore. You can actually shop with. It gives the ability for these farmers to have their own shops on their own store, and it keeps only their products and only their brand. So if you really love an individual supplier, an individual producer, you can go to their website. That's awesome, dude, yeah. good for you. So yeah. where it, did you get that idea? well think Shopify, but excuse yeah, yeah. exclusively for farmers. Yeah, oh God, I because they are like clapping right now for a yeah. Well, because the
2: farmers that I know, because I've I've spoken with a few of them now, and they they say like that's always their biggest challenge. And they're like ah. You know, it's just so hard for us to get to this stuff, and and there's just one other farmer, uh, this lady that she's on her own now. That she she she's done a decent job setting things up, but I'm like, man, her stuff's good, but she struggles with that that side of things, and then the delivery. components. those little stuff. meat sticks that you like. Uh, I, yeah, I like them too. Yeah, those yeah. little sticks. Yeah, they're yeah, great, yeah. and
1: um, so yeah, that that's awesome. Well, if you think about it, and this is no offense whatsoever, I hope it's not taken that way, but if you look at the worst websites in the world, they are farmers' websites. You know, yeah. if you look at the worst possible websites, they're broken. They yeah. look a little weird, well, and that's nothing against them because. Be real, real, real Realtor websites. Well, well, close second. Close second. second. But the whole thing is that, look, these guys are masters at what they do. They're masters at taking care of their land. They're masters at waking up at 4 a.m. and going out and working until 6 p.m. And then not only do they have to go raise the animals, they have to go sell them on the weekends at the farmer's market maybe? That is a lot to expect from one individual when they have to raise the product, create the product, market the product, and sell the product.
2: Well, try to get a web developer to go raise raise the product exactly. and raise the animals. That's a great You'll way to You'll see the it. worst the worst fed, the worst kept animals is probably around. So, so
0: they can have the website, but then
1: you're going to handle… They keep their own websites. So we're not going to fix the website for them, but what we will do is give them a button. So we can just embed a button for them that will give them a shop. Yeah, and the it. shop is nice it's clean it works well and they don't have to worry about it and then what we also look to take care of is the logistics and the marketing and all that on the, on that side of it as well so what we have is that we've got a lot of people we understand that oh God, there is a trend this is big this is big well, your true local becomes
2: the destination for them. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a great it's a great because pro- I, was, I was just thinking in my head I'm like, why wouldn't they just use Shopify but it's because Shopify they still have to go on the market their own website and that type of stuff whereas you're becoming the destination you do the marketing for them handing that front, and that he's also and got the
1: distribution yeah, exactly yeah, and yeah. It's not specialized because it's the same thing like even farmers and once again you know even for them to build a Facebook page it's challenging you know they just don't have a lot and some of them do actually I, could, I you probably should give a shout out to certain farmers that are like killing it right now in the online game but I would say the vast majority still struggle with that and to try to get them to build a Shopify shop it's tricky so we made it purpose built and that's the difference right because we're not going to compete with Shopify you know what I mean like these guys you know we're not going to compete with Shopify but what we but can do is give, that's not your yeah. goal. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to. We yeah, don't want exactly. to. Yeah exactly so that's kind of where I feel like we come in And that's where you start seeing this idea of regional supply chains being developed really taking hold. Because now, let's say for whatever reason, okay, wave two hits and we get another lockdown and all. Which is what made me think of you, by the way. I'm like, geez, everyone needs to know about true local because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it was a wild ride. Like we didn't shut down at all. And, you know, I got to give a huge shout out to the entire team because like the things that we went through to make sure that boxes were going out the door was a, it was a scary time, you know? And once again, we feel blessed. I, I would love to say I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're on the side of the coin that didn't have to go out of business. So many of my friends lost their jobs, lost their businesses. The saddest thing ever. Like when we start to look back on what happened in the summer of 2020 oh and look at how many dreams were crushed, the economy that was crushed. It's going to be crazy and no one's talking about that yet. So we were blessed to be on the side that, hey, look, we do a local product delivered online during a period where people weren't allowed to leave the home. But we had our other problems, too. So supply chain side of things, right? We didn't run out of any product, but we had to really rally behind the farmers to explain to them, hey, look at these volume surges, right? Because once again, these are smaller producers. And then the flip side was staffing. You know, we had to send all these boxes out. So for us, it was it was just a different set of challenges.
2: Where did they get the processing capacity from? Because I know even a, a friend of mine who who uh, raises some cows, he's got six or seven. He he recently uh, sent one in for processing, it and I got some of the beef. He said he's had to book his processing now like months out, month further in advance because oh, yeah. of what happened. So how did you guys, or how did the suppliers? How did you see them kind of circumvent that or solve that when COVID hit? Because I'd imagine there was a backlog everywhere.
1: Absolutely. So the the major Major backlog happened on the federal processing plants. And that's what you're seeing out west. And that's what caused issues in the grocery stores, right? But then what ended up happening is that a lot of people were starting to shop with their local butchers or businesses like True Local. Oh, and God. then you start seeing, so there was no backlog on the provincial processing. There's always a, an inherent backlog. Like if you try to get pasture raised chicken into a processing facility right now, like I think you're booking like a year out. And that was prior to COVID. So there's a lot of barriers that are in place right now to making it easy for people to shop with local producers and we're trying to break a lot of those barriers like we want to come in and be like hey look we want to make a system set up so that if you're a small producer you can sell to people within your province easily and on the flip side if you're a consumer and you want to shop for products from your province we want to make that really simple like look at the hundreds of millions of dollars that got pumped into companies like instacart and Uber Eats to make it as simple as possible to order food with the click of a button but nobody's investing that in the local producers and the local economy that way. And that's what we want to do. So when you look at it in terms of the processing side of things, when COVID hit, um, yeah, a lot of people started moving from their federal processors to their provincial ones and backlog started. But luckily, we've been doing this for four years. We have relationships across the board. We understand our supply chains intimately. We understand who's producing. We understand who's raising. So we were able to navigate it that way. What, I'm curious. What kind of I'm push? Sorry, for, for his age, You've
0: done. you've got a lot set up, man. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm just going back to the no, I'm, I'm just 29.
1: I just keep diving into
2: the food side of things because yeah, yeah. I'm so interested in this. So, sorry, I'll go ahead. No, no. Uh, just keep uh, giving compliments, feeding the eagle, feed the no, eagle. No, 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 I'm
0: really <laughs> impressed. And, and the, the, the distribution then, because then you have your distribution centers, but then the way you're getting it to the end customer is really cool because mm. you're using one of those services that you just mentioned. Right. So now, unlike some of the bigger grocers who had to use some of the bigger trucks and stuff and they had all kinds of backlogs, like I had some friends who were trying to get some stuff delivered and they were waiting like, I think two... Six weeks at from one the point. grocery store. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, Instacart. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, it was like the bigger kind of like grocery shows gateway, up, that kinda, that like, like stuff. the ones run by the actual grocery yeah, store. That yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now with you, you because the, the last mile or whatever we're calling it to me, I don't know. It came with some some car pulls up and somebody mm-hmm. somebody uh, hops out and puts the, boc- the, the box on my doorstep, which is really cool. So he's crushing multiple layers of distribution between the farmer and the end customer all at once. Like to the distribution center, you're making the local relationships and then the last mile over to me. So there's the the whole thing's being blown up. Do do you know what I mean? Like the whole, it's basically like you're making a distributed local network. Where yeah. I can get to any farmer at any, because that, before that was the problem. If, even if there was a local farmer like on the east side of Toronto and I'm in Oakville, it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna make it over there. But if this guy has a website now on True Local, now it's so distributed, I can get the farmer, it's
2: pretty local to me, I can get the meat well, delivery. to the me. warehouse. You're, whole, you're hosting in the warehouse, and then it's a third party that you're using for delivery.
1: Yeah. Right? So to your point, like looking at what we're building, it's we're building a regional supply chain, and it's every step of the way from the producer to the consumer and when you talk about it last mile is a huge part of that and like you were saying before actually one of the companies I'm, I'm sure is one that probably dropped you off is called uh, Shipper B. and not yeah, only yeah that's the one yeah, yeah, that's the one that one freaked me out super cool but it's actually I'm going to butcher a little bit of this but they're actually very like their big initiative is eco-friendly so what they do is they're doing back hauls with, um, with people that are already going to a specific area so they save on tons of carbon emissions because they're not actually sending packages out specifically to go to that destination it's people that are already coming this way that's what it looked so, like when I was yeah. doing the tracking I'm like, what is actually happening with this yeah. service? So it's fascinating. And, and once again, you look at it and like, why don't we have regional supply chains? So they're it's taking empty
2: space in trucks. Yes. And they're, they're so they've set up a system to find out when cargo places are empty and yeah. they, they will backfill those. Like you could see and my That's, That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And just to be yeah.
1: clear, we're not taking away from the, the the um, I guess, the standards of the service. It's not like you have to wait for this person to up. It's still coming the next day. So they've got a system set up in a way that makes sure that whenever we need to get a package to someone the next day, they know someone that's going this way or they're able to get sign someone up. It's pretty much like Uber to come out yeah. this but way. But see,
2: that's your point about like the, these technology platforms that have just, con- can, you know, I, I know everyone has been talking about Uber or Instacart, like the, some of the big ones, right? But there's consistently more and more. They're just really changing the game on in so many different places. And right? it's
0: extrapolating at such a speed. Yeah. Like True Local starting off at like this one speed. You're starting off True Local. But now you can see the growth of True Local. Yeah, but look where
2: they're starting from if you were trying to do this 10 years ago without a lot of this other the some of the technology that you guys are leveraging as well not just the ones that you're kind of the, the supply chain you're you're developing you couldn't you would it, the the process would be so much slower but now because some of that technology is out there you can then amplify your growth and your your offerings and that type you of stuff you know in so the book further. price
0: of tomorrow by jeff booth and when we had him on the podcast here and he was talking about if you fold a piece of paper 50 times people don't understand on the 50th fold it goes to the to the sun.
2: Yeah. It's something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like like it's not possible to
0: actually fold it 50 times, but you know, if you did, I thought it was the sun, the moon, whatever Whatever, it is far. Um, but that's, what's happening with technology right now. And you can kind of see it. And I know we're talking about local meat and which is what we really are most interested in is eating the good meat. But it's interesting because the technology is extrapolating at such a pace here. And then true local, you're leveraging that to get local farmers and make a distributed platform to kind of deliver it out using things like shipper bee and that kind of stuff. It, you can what yeah, like fold see the, are we at of the 50 and I yeah, feel you know. like but each fold
1: now yeah, yeah. It's, is going it's a bigger faster jump. and yeah, faster yeah. because I bet if we sit down when was the last time you were on here maybe two, two years ago I think Two years. very different business we were a very very different business back it then it feels like you were a very yeah. different business and you know what we talk about it all the time and even when, you know, when we started True Local I always said that, I'm like look when we started it we're not doing anything innovative you know what we want to do is I've seen tons of money going to the meal kit businesses and tons of money going into making once again making it easy to shop with normal products product, but no one was focusing on meat. So look, for us to sell a product online, that's not innovative. But what I can do is use best practices from all these different industries. I can use best practice from e-com when it comes to customer acquisition. I can use best practice from SaaS when it comes to user onboarding and retention. And I can take these, these proven things and bring it to a space that is underserved. That's, that was the initial plan for True Local, and it wasn't until about two years into it that we started seeing that, hey, look, technology is actually at a position right now where it might enable us to really be a little bit more disruptive in what we're trying to do, and we're nowhere near accomplishing that goal of, of developing regional supply chains. We have a long way to go, but we're definitely moving in the right direction, and once again, it's all part of what you just said, and it's all, I guess, the way you look at it is tech-enabled. You know, it's just new technologies coming out and it's, it's the resources that you have to make something happen in 2020 are so much different than they were two years ago. And then two years before that. And it's crazy to think where we're going to be in the next two years. It's scary, actually. It's very scary. So it I'm, is a little bit scary. I yeah. got to admit, it's a little scary. It's kind of exciting. It's like half exciting and a half scary. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: But I'm trying to think about this in my head, right? Because, because Amazon's big thing right now is their like their supply chain because you know, they have the aircrafts and they have the multiple distribution. Like they've what they've done is, you know, as they weed out UPS more and more, they've just kind of crushed the world. And, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, so why wouldn't Amazon just be able to do this outside of the fact that the relationship with the local farmers, but they're, region, they're not building regional networks. They're building the national or global networks distribution, of the supply chain versus like, so then it brought me to the question, is there anyone else that's even in any other industries focusing really on trying to build out new regional supply chains? Because it's, it's, un, it's unusual
1: to hear. Look, I will say one thing. I don't think you probably would have heard the word regional supply chain before I said it on this podcast. Yes, I, don't think yeah. Yeah, I don't like think I've heard it. Like we looked at this. We've always understood what we were trying to do and we wanted to do you know, the whole the whole mantra of True Local, connecting you to the source. We always knew that. And as the business started developing, we started getting a clearer picture of what that looked like. And in the early days, it was giving people access to this online because that was that was new. And once again, it, it was new. Um, it's not new technology. Having an e-com shop was not new technology, but it was a new service. For for meat. For meat, exactly. (laughs) It was a new service for meat that people weren't used to. They were used to going to the grocery store, going to the butcher, or ordering a year's worth from these companies. So we were able to kind of push the bar there. And I think that we were arguably one of the best expressions of connecting you to the source two years ago. But now fast forward two years, and if we just kept doing what we were doing before, we are no longer the best uh, expression of connecting you to the source, we've got to take it a step further. So, you know, we started going through that and we started realizing, okay, true local connect is a big factor. Understanding last mile is a big factor. How these, these two things live holistically is a, a huge factor. Understanding um, the, once again, having a lot of smaller producers within a specific region is a factor. And then taking it to the next level, we started realizing we're like, The big thing that we're trying to go at here is the national supply chain. And we're like, okay, if we're trying to go after the national supply chain, what's the opposite? And what are we trying to do? And it was a regional supply chain. It just made sense. It literally just makes sense. So like we are like, I'm sticking to it. Like we are trying to coin the regional supply chains. Like if you hear regional supply chains, we want that to be synonymous with true local to the point where anybody at any point in time can go on their phone. Look at all the farms or all the different producers in their region, ones that they trust, ones that they want to support, ones where they actually get to see where their money is going, and then boom, click a button and it shows up at your house. That's where we want to get to.
2: Hmm. What, about, I, what I'm curious about is the, um, you know, shopping for quality product, there's a price difference. So people go to the grocery yep. store and they see that, the you know, the boneless, skinless chicken thighs are on sale at Loblaws this week for half price or whatever. And then I guess, I in, I don't think there's even an answer to this question, but I'm just curious how much pushback or, or what percentage of, you know, your customers initially are like, are, are there's a sticker shock, you know, and maybe it's before they, they try the product and they don't realize that the quality of the product is a different quality of product and, and, you know, but you know, my wife, for example, sometimes when I tell her, like, "Well, we're gonna, this is how much it costs," she's like, "Well, why can't we just buy it at the grocery store?" I'm like, "No, no, please don't talk to me about that. It's not the same thing. Yeah. We can't have this, it's this discussion." It's
0: funny. I get frustrated at that too. What do you mean, buy it at the yeah. grocery store? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, even when you cook it, like the 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 tender, like it's just, you know, yeah. whatever. Besides the point. So, is is there is there a big barrier there for you for
1: like almost like a customer education? So there's a lot, of, a lot of components to that. So we've never hid from the pricing. Like this is a situation where food is a utility or food serves a purpose. Now, if you're in a, a position where food has to serve a utility, because not everybody can go out and spend money at Starbucks. Not everyone can go out and decide to eat out and get a steak, right? Now, people that have to look at food as a utility where it's cost sensitive, then there's always going to be options there. You can go buy ground beef on sale for 199 and it's good that that exists. But meat was not supposed to be 199 Meat was not supposed to be cheap. Okay. Yeah, the McDonald's hamburger is not supposed to be 99 cents. It's not supposed (laughs) to be 99 cents. We're in a situation now where so many people have so much demand for this type of product that we've developed a way to mass produce this product. And now look at the problems that we have with that. You know, you've got factory farming. Um, That's a whole other conversation. But they've industrialize this to the point where they can get it to you extra cheap, which serves a purpose because people that can't afford to spend on premium, well-raised local products, they have an option. But if you actually, you'd be very surprised because now what's, you said it before that we're on a lot of trends and you know, that we're tapping into this. And I'm glad that you said trends because we really do look at it as a trend instead of a fad. When you look at diets and things like that, they're fads, they come and they go, but the, the want to support local and the want to have more understanding of where your food is coming from, that's not a Bad. that's a trend and as time goes by and I've watched it like don't forget like not only before we started true local I just sit down with people and try to sell them a year's worth of meat I like you talk about case studies and talk about market research I did this for four years getting rebuttal after rebuttal after rebuttal and having understandings of it so you know for us we're in a situation where the people that do end up trying the product they understand that they got to spend a little bit extra for it because they're getting the meat that was raised the way it's supposed to be raised instead of it being part of that whole utility function and I think now as customers are getting more educated they're more more than happy to spend an extra what are we talking about here right if you spend 50 dollars in meat let's just say as an example what are we talking about maybe the difference between 10 dollars, 60 bucks to get the better quality it's actually not that dramatic it's definitely not the difference between a markup of doing coffee at home versus going to starbucks so for us i think as more people are getting educated more people are realizing that hey look you know i i care about where my food's coming from and i want to spend the extra dollars to get that
0: and even on true local there's different price points i mean you can get the tenderloin steak but you have great quality hot dogs as well on true local that i think are going to be the better quality hot dogs than you're going to get in a lot of other places so even on your service you can kind of still do that utility kind of choice thing if you want if you had to
1: absolutely people build their boxes however they want right so we've got over a hundred different products like i can almost guarantee we have every single cut of meat that you're looking for you know yeah, whatever you have a lot now we've got a lot and The
0: bacon <laughs> that you have on there i was just going to tell you no seriously the bacon on there i get so happy when i make the, the bacon i order through true local I, I i make it on the barbecue do you make your bacon bacon on the barbecue well
2: yeah because di doesn't want me to make the oven dirty so she's like make it on yeah. the barbecue i think
0: it was because Di was over at our house she's like why are you not making it in the in the, in the oven i'm like listen i can't make the oven dirty <laughs> Make it out on the barbecue. But that true local... My whole family goes crazy over that bacon. No, I know the guys over at Townsend Butcher will be happy to hear that. Yeah, oh man, so good. Anyway, did I cut you off on that?
2: But uh, Yeah, I was going to... uh, say something else but I'm just curious so you said Townsend Butcher would be happy about that but isn't the product from the farm like why would it be the butcher that's happy about that
1: so there's different relationships that we have so it's a good question so we have relationships with producers and we have relationships with butchers so there are situations where we might be at a point where we meet the farmer directly like we the first point of contact for us was the farmer um, when you look at our 100% grass fed beef program we actually got introduced to Aaron who is the farmer so the the strategy there is to build a relationship with Aaron but sometimes some of these producers don't have butchers as an example well on the flip side we have relationships with butchers as well and then what the butchers do is the butchers will go ahead and we met the butcher first and then they'll say hey i can do these xyz products here are the farmers i work with and they make the introduction that way so it's definitely a multi-stage it's a multi-stage process and the nice thing about with what we've been doing now with true local and this whole idea of developing regional supply chains is if we have a farmer who's got a great product but he's like i don't have the processing capacity i don't know a butcher to work with
2: no problem got we got it, you yeah.
1: and on the flip side if we have a butcher who's like hey man i can make this amazing product i can give you like a Uh, super clean, no added natural flavor type stuff. I don't know, sausage, right? I got I grow the cranberries in my backyard. He's like, I just don't have the pork. No, don't worry, we got that covered for you. So, you start really seeing like it is it's a supply chain. Yeah, to me, it was like it's
2: a wild fish that I like because to get wild caught fish, is like sometimes you go to the grocery store and they're out, like, uh, well, very often that's the case, or you have one selection. So, to be able to easily access wild caught fish Mm. is just it's a nice luxury that was something you guys
0: added I think a little bit later right because I remember I I started getting it and I felt just so like you said I'm like oh my gosh I can get wild
1: caught fish
2: and it's a completely different it's a completely different like it's just a completely different Species, well, the colors <laughs> yeah. completely yeah,
1: different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, that was a tricky one for us in the early days because you know, the whole idea of true local, you're not going to get wild caught salmon out of here, right? So, our biggest thing was that hey, look, you know, the whole idea for us with true local is to support local producers, local butchers, local businesses. So, ironically, we were in Kitchener, started working with Coddles Catch, and Coddles Catch would find some of the best wild caught Alaskan salmon frozen. You guys have seen it, like yeah. it's you, this isn't even something you have to sell, like you look at this, you product, look at the color, immediately of it, like, oh, know. this is a good piece you of salmon, you immediately yeah. know, right? Yeah. Um and uh, it just made sense. It was like, hey, look, by doing this, we're you know supporting the local business, and we're very we're very blatant saying, hey, it's wild caught Alaskan saying We're not trying to say it's coming from Ontario, and people people love it. it's our second bestseller, so it's awesome. We've now got pickerel, we've got perch out west. Um, a different story, right? So the whole idea with the true local model is that people in Ontario get Ontario uh, Ontario producers and suppliers, and people out east or out east or out west. Um, so at West we've got some amazing, amazing like West Coast product like the BC prawns coming straight from BC. The fishermen go out in the morning. We actually went on the boat with them, so we do all of our supplier videos, right? So we try to give people a better understanding of what's going on and what goes on behind the scenes. That
2: makes me jealous. That to makes hear me that. totally yeah. jealous
1: too, man. Yeah.
0: This is the best business. You get to just deal with
1: meat and fish I know and technology. Well, like it's
0: the when best. we go
2: to Croatia, it's the same thing. Like I'll never forget the one time we were we reading were someplace. I'm like, man, these mussels are just amazing. And my my daughter, since she was probably about I don't know what, probably, about four years old she would just grab muscles with her, her um, the shells with her hands and she yep. would just eat them and I'm like well, you know what even they were amazed they're like what four year old is popping these things here she won't eat them at all. Yeah, right. and I, I said like these muscles are so good like they must be fresh how old he, you know what are they a few days old He goes, and he looked at me and he gave me this like nasty look he's like what are you talking about he goes, those are today, after today, they're no good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand why they taste so good. You, you know, it just makes such a uh, such a difference. It's, it's so nice when you can understand and see where your food's coming from. It is a real luxury. In today's world, unfortunately, it is a luxury. Because in the past, yes. you know, but it is nice. Uh, because it's it is turned nice. into a utility. Like totally, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: You just nailed it on your head right there. Like, it's so beautiful when you understand what goes into it. And that's why people are like, hey, you know what? I'm willing. I want this for myself, and I'm willing to spend a little bit of extra to get this on my plate every single night because they start understanding more. And that's one thing we really want to do is try to educate people. And like, you know, a perfect example is looking at Aaron from Heritage Cattle And we love showcasing his operation because he's a 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef farmer, right? Yet people, you always hear people, right? Oh, oh, you can't get grass-fed and finished beef in Ontario in yeah. the winter. How does that winter. work? We Guys, have winter. We have winter. Come yeah. on. Like, like so we do an entire video showcasing about how these these cows are eating grass in the winter and people start to be like, Oh, like, wow. And he keeps them for X amount of time and it's rotational grazing. And they're like, Oh, and that's what I'm about to eat. Okay. You know what? Maybe it was worth the extra three, four bucks. Mm-hmm. And they understand. How, how do, you do they, they do that? They so what get they do, yeah. So, the, so Aaron particularly mm-hmm. has four different pastures. Okay. And what he does is something called rotational grazing where um, let's just say across from one another, there's a, a one paddock has all the cows and then the other three paddock are just growing grass. And Aaron is really awesome for always saying that he's not a beef farmer, he's a grass farmer. And if you talk to people that are farming and really doing regenerative farming, they say the same thing. So what they do is they'll rotate the cows through the grass and then the furthest paddock, they chop and wrap it in those big white marshmallow things. And it's got to be wet because then it ferments over the winter and it stays green. Like they literally chop on those things in the middle of winter. There's a video on our website and it's just this green grass that comes out of it. I'm so happy you're saying that.
0: So when we were growing up, we have family over in Croatia. And I used to take the cows out from the village to different pastures. And then you would, you know, when that pasture got all eaten up, we would take them kind of further down the road to another pasture. We'd take the, the, the stones off the wall, put all the cows in. I was probably like eight, eight years old doing this with like 20 cows back then. And the village would kind of send out the cows every morning. That's what you did. So about maybe 10 years ago, when we started learning more about food, seven years ago, and someone told me that cows don't eat grass, they eat grains. I was confused for like a year. Cause I, I just remember growing up. I'm like, I watched the cows. I know they ate grass and I, I never challenged it. And then, and I remember all through the year, it was just different pastures, just like you're saying, Mm -hmm. and they didn't get as cold of as a winter on the coast of Croatia there, but they were able to kind of do that kind of thing. And I never understood that cows were meant to eat grass because I had bought into the idea that cows eat grains. Like Mm -hmm. I I never really kind of challenged it. And now looking back on our own childhood, I'm like, yeah, like I witnessed this with my own eyes, but uh, there's something else that's important about food is a neuroscientist once told us that the quality of the energy that you produce is in direct relation to the quality of the food you put in your mouth.
1: I believe it, 100%. Yeah, like the,
0: I, the nutrients that you're getting from good quality food will produce the quali- the type and quality of the energy,
1: energy that you have on a day-to-day basis. Of course. I, I definitely think, and it's not even just meat at this point, I think we're talking about anything now when it comes to quality. You know, I think the quality of what you put in your body is absolutely going to have an effect on your body at a cellular level, which will have an effect on your body mentally, which will then have an effect on your output. And I think that anybody you know who's, whether it be a, any high performer, whether it be in business or an athlete or just uh, emotionally, you can be an emotional high performer, you understand that. You could eat, um, let's use a steak for example, you can eat one steak and you can get just this great feeling, this great output of energy, you can need a different steak and it's just not there. It's not that it's bad. It's not saying that it's bad. It just doesn't have you that extra. Fi- it's got, you know what I mean? There's some extra part. And
0: once it, you so. start eating well, you notice the difference. Absolutely. You know, you have that feeling. So, True Local, now you're um, right. Because I, I saw on your website, you're delivering into
1: almost all provinces now? Yeah. So, our True Local model, the whole idea like, we're pushing forward with these regional supply chains is that, you know, when you go to the website, you put your postal code in, you're going to see products from producers and suppliers in your province if you're in that province so we're operating locally with the true local model in Ontario Alberta and BC however we had so much demand coming in from the east coast and from Manitoba saying hey look you know we want this and we're like look we're not operating locally there they're like look as long as you can get me 100% grass-fed beef and it's from Canada, just send it out my way. So we do service all of the province so the remaining provinces, but it's coming out of Ontario. So people get to make the choice. You know, if they're like, "Hey, you know, I want to wait for it to be local," no problem, they can wait. But if they're like, "Hey, you know what? Just send it to me," then send it off to us. So,
2: so what kind of battle, like on a date just from a business standpoint? Yeah, that's what I day, was thinking too. Yeah, like, like what kind of battle, like you know, to with all these moving parts, you're you guys are fighting battles on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, well, you guys know your business. We get punched in the face every single day. Like, there's not a day that goes by that you don't, whether it be you wake up to an email that's blown up your day or you go to bed, to an email that's blown up your day. There's, there's always something going on. And I think that it's, it's more or less even just like my own personal development and, you know, looking at it from going from a team of, you know, four to now, you know, we've got 55 people across the country. um, I have to constantly evolve and constantly reassess my position so that I can, Serve the team better because I watch this team, these this amazing team grow every single year, and I've always said that your business fundamentally changes every two million dollars in revenue. Okay, like the things that worked last year are no longer working today. The skill sets you developed last year are no longer working today, and my team does such an amazing job of keeping up with the times that that pushes me to continuously have to evolve myself. And I think that's actually the biggest challenges is just your typical things: how to manage, how to lead, how to set goals, how to hold accountability. Um, you know, that's where I feel like I've kind of gone gotten to in this position and it's funny just on the way up here we were talking about it looking back on like the ic days the individual contributor days when it was like i literally would pack the box and then okay i had to go drop them off at the at the the courier depot and then i had to go meet a supplier and shake hands and i gotta brush my feet off to go do a, a gym booth day or something those the stresses that i felt back then are the same stresses that I feel today. They're just in different proportions. Now it's different where it's like, hey, um, I don't even know. You know, like, well, oh, there's a pandemic. Oh, that's, that's pretty bad. You know, that's, bad. Well, actually, yeah. I, I, that's probably a <laughs> horrible example. Like, but things like that, they just kind of land on your plate and it's always, there's always different challenges you have to deal with. So I think for me personally, it's been kind of the personal development side of things and just how to develop the team and how to manage and, and how to get the most out of everybody.
2: What about exposure for you guys? So obviously Dragon's Den helped nationally and that was a big one, but yeah, cause I heard you say Jim booth. Yeah. Is that how, like, how did you guys, it was a grassroots stuff like that. Is that how you kind of got rolling initially and to then to what point, mm-hmm. you know?
1: I think everybody thinks there's like a, a magic bullet to what makes a business work. And it's, it's just, it, there, there's none. It's a constant combination of a lot of things. Why do you know that? Because we've just been through it. We've tried every, <laughs> okay. everything, everything. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing we it. haven't tried. Like we've, if it's new, we're going to give it a shot, but we've tried everything. And the ones that completely fail, we scrap, but there are some that do like they're okay. And we keep those in a steady proportion. And then there's ones that knock it out of the park. And that is, changes every single month because the things that typically knock it out of the park that you're like, I can scale this for however long. They don't last more than a quarter. Like you're going to do that and you're going to drill it into the ground and then it's gone. So, you know, for us, it's been everything we've tried. We've tried everything. Um, some of the major things that we've done, we obviously uh, last year, we spent a year working a deal with WW. So WW formerly weight watchers. Um, we have a problem. A branding point of view. I still think they should have kept I the, think weight it's watchers. the stupidest thing in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. WW? yeah. Everyone like weight knew watchers. Weight Watchers, and
2: it makes sense. You said WW to me, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then you said yeah. weight, watchers, oh, weight Watchers, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I thought they're a the new symbol because they have a building no, around No, because I think
0: there's a negative connotation with weight and all that. I'm like, Weight Watchers kind of like makes sense to me. Anyway, sorry, I think they were, were not-
1: trying to modernize and like not trying to be a spokesperson for them. Right? They might be like, stop talking. But like, yeah. I think they were trying to modernize a little bit and kind of get a new identity. I know Mindy Grossman's their CEO, and I'm a huge fan of her. I've never actually met her, but if she's listening to this, please, I would love to uh, at one point speak your brain. But I think they were trying to kind of get uh, they, they do focus a lot on technology, and they were kind of going after a younger demographic and I think that Weight Watchers might have been perceived as, you know, your, your mom's Older school because I think they had the yeah. cards at one point, like you opened a booklet. Was that, weight, that Watchers? weight Watchers? I don't, don't you know. There's the some card or something yeah. a different one. So we did that with them. I, um, that, I say, sorry, yeah. just
2: a side note, my prediction is within the next, I say, three years, they're back at they Watchers. On, yeah. Mark's going to tell it, us. Mark yeah. will tell I us. Wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know.
1: All I know is that, you know, we we they seem to share a lot of alignment in terms of like what we were looking to do in terms of, because our entire business has been built off community. So I got to start with that. So you're saying what worked and what didn't. Here's what I'll tell you. All of the different things that I say we've tried that have been successful or failed only serve for one purpose, and that was to build, build our community. community. And that community is an authentic community of people that we want to build relationships with, people that support us and we support them and people that believe in what we're doing. And we've been diligent in making sure that those are the type of people that we attract to the business because it's not about getting everybody. And when I talk about some channels that didn't work, it's not even necessarily that they didn't work, it just brought the wrong type of people. So we really like to double down on community Based individuals that want to be part of something and that's where the brand comes in and that's where what we do comes in That's why we want to talk about our story and what we're what we're going after.
2: like Tom when he said when he likes something He start he screams it from the rooftops more than people want to hear we're like Tom yeah. be quiet You've told us yeah, 55 times. Already.
0: I know I know I do have that problem, but I don't know. I'm a fan I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's interesting. You say that because it was through radix performance so we were part of this CrossFit gym. Radix performed. Well, they're more than CrossFit. They do everything. And that's where I think we came across. I think it was, right. I think it was Dan who said that, um, there was... A, I think the booth was, like, shut down. I'm like, what's that true local sign over there? What is that? I think that's where I stumbled into it. They true. were there. So I don't we, know if were it it's it, we were part of that community, because it's interesting you say We were part of that community. Mm-hmm. That community is obviously probably... Uh, good source of customers for you yeah and uh it worked at multiple levels you're building a community you're tapping into
1: other communities yeah we love them we saw you do the podcast them a couple weeks ago um and that's that's kind of what it's about and especially in those early days it's about that connection and especially when you look at the fitness industry right you know these are people that are that are live and breathe community so it was, it was a natural fit for us um
2: especially the way yeah. the fitness industry's gone because i'm not it hasn't gone there but i guess it's gone more so a little bit away from the big box gyms and more so to the smaller community-oriented, you know, whether it's CrossFit or people that don't, it's not actually CrossFit, it's, you know, that type of, Uh, Class, class setup—you know—it's—it's gone—it's gone gone to that. It's created these all these little communities, and if you get in with one of those, word spreads pretty fast, right? Yeah.
0: What what do you? um, So first of all, just thank you for doing what you're doing at True Local because I think if if the world does get shut down again, us in Canada, it is very comforting. As you know, I have two kids, and my son's off at uh, Western right now, but I have two kids, and just knowing that there's a place where I can get good food and it's likely going to work, even though there's a shutdown. You're really offering a very essential service to the community so i just want to thank you for that like right. it is a big there's a certain sense of peace of mind you are giving people i'm being genuine here
1: thank you i honestly I yeah. appreciate that and on behalf of like us and the entire team i always say this i'm like you know without the support of people like you like you've been such a huge supporter and there's so many customers like you we wouldn't have been able to do any of this stuff so i, I think it's such a, a beautiful relationship so thank you for saying that yeah. i appreciate it and thank you for tiny supporting. so we're trying
0: we're tiny so we're <laughs> just trying to do our part but and then um What do you think, what's going to happen with the economy? Like, you know, as one business owner, how are you planning? What are you thinking? Because some of the real estate investors that we work with, we tell everyone, listen, the economic data hasn't even really hit yet. When Mm -hmm. it starts to hit and people recognize what has happened over the last few months.
2: To your point, what you were saying earlier about, you know, people don't realize what's happened, how many mm -hmm. jobs have been lost and stuff like that. A lot of friends, you know, right? No
0: one's even recognizing that the pain is still to come in a lot of this. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. the Canadian government can't really supplement over that by sending out money to to all individuals but I'm, you know, we're telling a lot of investors, hey, look, keep a little cash rich right mm-hmm. now, plan for that rainy day, which might be coming up right now, yeah. And uh, we don't know, you know, we're in our business, we're always short-term paranoid, long-term optimistic, yeah. Right, That's so we we know things it. are going to be well over time, you know. Someone like yourself, very resourceful, very resilient, you know, things are going to work out for you, mm-hmm. but short-term
1: paranoid mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going to happen. Definitely. And uh, is that how you approach in the next few months? I'm just curious. Yeah, like I'm definitely scared. Like I think, and and this is this is not no, this is a business aside so like and I'm not a professional so please nobody listen to this and think that like I have the answers to this but just for myself personally like I'm, I'm definitely pretty scared like the world's in a very weird place yeah. Um, I think that we are going to look back on this and say how did everyone keep their calm because I still think that everyone is relatively calm like even with the level of riots that we have and the things that have been going on society seems to still be operating as normal. And if you look back through history, you know, things have gotten a lot worse in situations like this. And if history is going to repeat itself, I think we're just at the beginning of what may or may not happen. So, you know, for me, I, I'm not an economist, but I do get pretty terrified when I start seeing all this money being printed, you know, for me watching money go out the door, like where's that money coming from? I'm scared of inflation. I think that's definitely a concern. Like you're looking at, you know, all of this free money going out there and it's kind of like, okay, okay, we got to pay that back, but it's also driving up the prices of everything. So are loans making sense now? Are they not making mm-hmm. sense? And there's Especially, companies like you
0: and what you're doing, what 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 Mark's doing, what True Local's doing is actually very deflationary because he's offering something that would be very expensive for people to do before. Go drive in your car to a local farmer and get all this stuff. You can get that local meat yeah. at your door. It, well, it, no, I understand. We're going to talk about the price of meat yeah. and stuff like that. The price of meat itself is going up there's absolutely no doubt but basically what through technology true local is doing is having a deflationary impact on the economy because now i'm getting access to local farmers i don't have to get into my car i don't have to drive to the other side of the city and spend the time to do that at the snap of a fingers i can have a box showing up at my doorstep through some excess capacity that has been shared through a shipping service that through technology is now being leveraged Mm -hmm. whereas before if i was able to ship that kind of kind of stuff myself talk to the farmer get him to ship it door to door like get a butcher involved like all that stuff is just too too difficult to organize so there's like there's deflationary deflationary forces right now in technology and then there's the inflationary monetary policy
1: and they're like at the exactly. just fighting each other right now. I'm um, you know so I've been scared for a little while once again the idea of inflation and it's like okay the $100,000 car today is going to be $200,000 tomorrow but you're not getting a raise and all this type of stuff. But I did read something I think it was in the globe but don't quote me was that savings are at an all-time high. So it's like people are getting some so you got spending at an all-time high, which if you look at it right now during the pandemic it went down a bit but then it's skyrocketed. People are spending more than they ever have before, but they're saving more than they ever had before. So that to me is also I don't know I don't know what that means. But well, is dispos- it, that sign of inflation?
2: The disposable income went up, right? So what happened is is because people uh, people were actually earning more. So because of the government stimulus, disposable income come uh, from April of this year actually increased, increased year over year for those three. So because even though people lost their jobs, the government replaced more than the money mm-hmm. lost. So that's why the state saving rates jumped off. So it jumped up. So we'll see what happens when when the when the SERB ends. And, and the, CERB. Not, the CERB, the CERB, <laughs> it's like the COVID, the CERB, yeah. when the COVID so and the CERB CERB ends, <laughs> and because and it, it looks like they're not going to extend it, they're going to, to EI, but they've just changed another, another rule. So anyone impacted is now not going to be $400 a week. They're getting $500 a week. That was, they just changed, they just change just that as well. So it'll be interesting to see, but that, yeah, it's, it, it's a weird dynamic right now, mm-hmm. you know, and we won't know for like another year or so, right. So, or, or longer, but, but we'll start seeing signs of it soon. Yeah.
1: And the thing is, nobody, you know, everyday people aren't looking at the signs. They're waiting. It's, by the time they see what's actually happening, it's going to be done. But you know, I, I agree. I think having cash right now is good. I like Bitcoin. Um, yeah. I'm definitely, you know, yeah. I'm I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin. I think that we had
0: written it off a few years ago. For oh, the record, you? we were
1: like Bitcoin. Psh, what's that? And now I see the book on the wall. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. we interviewed the author. Bit. We authored. Okay. We interviewed
0: the author of that book, right, and right. we're yeah, we're we're all we're pretty much. All in on on the Bitcoin uh, it, yeah. bandwagon. It's funny
2: that you were saying like you know you, you were talking about the government stimulus. You're like yeah, well, you know where's this money coming from, and especially at your no, age, tw- I'm just yeah. going back
0: 29. Most 29 year olds don't talk like that.
2: Not every, and still today, a lot of people that I talk to really haven't put thought into that. But I think it's because you're I, and I, I have no idea if this is accurate or not. But I just I'm like what well, you know why did you say that? I'm like maybe it's because you're a business owner, and I think. When you're a business owner, you're always wondering hey, where the money's the, coming where's from, where's the money coming from, where's it going, you know, and when you see someone just being just like, oh, here's all this money, you're like, okay, well, hold on, that's not really how this whole business thing works. How mm-hmm. come it can work like that over
1: there, you mm-hmm. know? I think I look at it, I don't know much about politics of the government, but what I do know is that the government is just essentially a business that created all the rules. Like, that's all I do know. And I do know business. A and poorly I, run
2: business because they're, they, sure. they're running negative all the time. So if you ran your business like the government, you would have been out of business six weeks in.
1: I know. I know. And it, it boggles my mind. And, and you know, I know the business side of it. And once again, I just kind of look at it and start understanding that, okay, look, you know, the government makes, makes their money from the people. Okay, well, they're just putting out $82 billion or however much it was wait a minute here, are taxes going up? Like what is about to happen here? And you know, you start looking at it. It's like, you know, if taxes start going up, then you start got less disposable income. And it's like, okay, is there a vicious cycle happening here? And then on top of that, take it one step further. What happens if they keep propping it up? Like what happens if they keep printing money? And once again, I don't have a an, an super intimate understanding of it, but in my eyes, that's what leads to hyperinflation is that our economy starts to, our our, our currency starts to keep printing more and more money to keep people afloat fictitiously because you're not earning this money. And what that's doing is it's driving prices up. And in terms of the world economy, our money is now worth less. So what happens if we're an import export style country and we can't afford to import products because our money's not worth anything. And if we don't manufacture here and we can't sell products to other currencies it's like uh oh where are we at so i don't know what's gonna happen but i do think it's a very interesting time i've actually been looking to history a lot and i'm not usually a history guy like i'm really not the type of guy How are you to... looking at history huh? you know what honestly like youtube videos yeah books, no you're not so much youtube videos documentaries i like, trying to get i love documentaries I can watch, i'll put them in the background and just try to listen to them but um yeah i've just been trying to look back on the history of like like economics, I don't know economics. I'm just trying to understand like what what is currency really like. We're at the end of the day, and and the reason to do this is for true local. I'm so happy <laughs> marks having this discussion right now.
0: Yeah, go, keep going. Yeah, know. you can keep. I, going. I look at it
1: because I got to figure out what's going to happen in the next little while. You know what I mean? Like I got to understand if we want to develop regional supply chains, I got to understand money, and I got to understand what people are 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 uh, how much access they have to it, and I also got to understand the product. And, you know, if, if money is starting to become an issue and all this type of stuff, can farmers afford the, the the grain or afford whatever they're looking to do? So for me, I've been trying to, like, study a little bit more of what's happened over time, I'm not deep into it yet, so don't quiz me. Um, but it's just interesting. I find that's it, the last I copy. I just ordered
0: more. That's the last copy, Mark. You're leaving with this copy of this book. The 72 first 72 pages of this book is the best summary of monetary policy and history of okay, money yeah. that you're ever going to read. Yeah, 72 that. pages. Yeah, that's great. It's my last copy, it's yours. Someone who's Please. interested in that, I'm definitely you know giving it to you.
2: <laughs> what's really interesting is we didn't get into this until the last time we were in business already, but relatively new in business. And in 2008 is when we started, when the last financial kind of crisis hit, we started being like, well, how did this all happen? Like, what happened here? And that's when we started diving into it for the exact same reason, we're like, look, Something doesn't smell or it doesn't pass the sniff test here. What's going on? And we started diving into it to understand for our own selfish reasons, be like, hey, we got to protect ourselves here. Like this, mm-hmm. there's something with this whole system, the way it's structured, that's kind of broken. You know, if, if this type of stuff's happening, let's see what's happening here. So it, it, it was, you know, whatever, 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, but for the exact same reasons, at a very similar time, I guess I was probably a similar age at that time, is that when we started diving into it. And I, it think, it was, I think it's been the most, one of the most it, valuable. It, 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 uses of our time or the most valuable use of our time ever because we've been able to base Decisions off that knowledge that I feel at least now have served us very very well And in hindsight I can say that they've served us very very well because of that
0: and I think it, it comes from mark Just so, you know our both of our parents are immigrants into this country mm-hmm. and we saw them work really really hard Like our father escaped Yugoslavia as a refugee mm-hmm. there our, our, our family went through war in the 1990s there mm-hmm. And so to see my father and our mother uh, who's Scottish both leave those countries for different reasons and then come here and work as hard as they did to raise us and save a little bit of money. And then through different government policies and the way the monetary system is set up to see their savings get kind of like destroyed mm-hmm. has just rubbed us the wrong way. Yeah. Because we're like, these are people who put their lives on the line to like when, if our father was caught escaping there, you know, they have orders just to shoot you. Yep. Right. So he's doing that to, to have a better life. And we're lucky enough to be born in this country so we feel almost like a duty to figure this stuff out and then share it with people. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's what's going on. Protect yourself. Buy For a sure. piece of real estate. You know, maybe look into a bit of gold. Check out this hard money Bitcoin stuff.
2: Yep. Buy farmland. Like these, Buy farmland, these, like farmland. these yeah. farmers, yeah. you know, like and they're sitting me. on... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, that's what... But the, the whole side of... From the inflation side of things, and that's what they're seeing, you know... and. Is is you, you'll see it for sure because of the food inflation, which isn't which isn't really accounted for in a lot of ways. Because what even the Canadian government does in their inflationary index, remember a I couple of years
0: ago, a substitution model. Yeah,
2: they started taking out for beef. They started they substitute lower quality beef for like ground beef versus steaks or whatever to to so that they're like, oh, inflation really hasn't gone up because you can still get meat, but now you're we were using a they'll sirloin. Replace, now we're getting ground beef. They'll just
1: replace beef with chicken. Yeah. Or and,
2: yeah, or they might beef with hot dogs. So get you're this. Right?
1: Once again, that gets hit really hard on the national supply chain level, okay? Because you've got all these different factors, import-export affects that. When you look at all these price increases, you know, people back in the day would be like, hey, you got to make a decision if you want to go with True Local. You have to choose to be like, I'm going to invest in my health and go after it because we're a little bit more expensive. Well, ironically, that gap is closed dramatically after COVID because national meat prices have gone up because getting it from XYZ and the shortages have driven the prices up. But it hasn't increased in the local side of it. It's increased a very significant, insignificant amount. That's compared interesting. To it. Yeah, I had no idea. So ironically, the you know all of these giant systems that were put into place are actually that are now super susceptible to what's going on with COVID. Whereas these little more regional pockets aren't as affected because everything's staying within local, like the local economy. So it's been very interesting to watch that. So we we see it over the time. We're waiting. We see these price increases on the on the grocery stores, and we're like, oh my god, when you know when's you know Aaron gonna call? Us, someone's gonna call us to be like, hey, this is it and you know we were able to work through it with them and and we were at a position where we weren't raising prices on the customers and that's this the crazy crazy part of it when you kind of look to go more direct yeah that's cool that's so, very cool
0: b- before we wrap up here what about your own personal you you've, you you obviously are someone who you know you mentioned the ceo of uh, of ww there mm-hmm. and um You're following people, you're tracking things, you're concerned about your own kind of growth. What are you doing for your own personal development right now? And Mm. I'm asking you because you're someone who's really doing a great job here. And there's people listening to this that are wanting to quit their job and grow or starting a business and feel they need to grow. Are you doing anything specifically that you can tell us about, or is it just like a ad hoc thing? Or is of thing? it top
2: secret that you're just doing no, it in yeah, your basement? Yeah, no, yeah, it's actually working. Share. It's working.
1: You, know, you definitely have to fabricate success. Like you can't just stumble into it for a long period of time. You know, if you if you're a fly by night, um, you know, maybe you're an incredible talent. You get spotted. You know, it still takes years of hard work to get to that point. I think for me, you know, you can run a business just kind of going, you know, doing random things for a year, maybe two. But if you're doing it longer than that, you've got to set systems in place to make sure that you're operating at peak performance at all times so for me i love my routine you know i love my i'm a morning guy you know i'm actually sorry i can't take that back i'm definitely not a morning guy but i do wake up early um, staying fit, you know, I got picked up boxing, been absolutely loving it. Um, so started boxing and that's keeps my mind straight in the morning. You know, you get punched in the face. It's pretty easiest in the morning. It's pretty easy to go in any meetings and you know, have to deal with what you have to deal with. Um, diet's been big recently. Um, I, you know, took three years, I've always been relatively healthy, but in the past year I've really started doing it. And once again, all of a sudden it says, cause it all sucks. You know, at the end of the day, doing it sucks, but the outcome and the results are so worth it. And so amazing. But only in the past year, I've really started dialing that in. And once again, only out of necessity because I have to be on all the time. You know, we're in a D2C, we're, we're direct to consumer, and that's a highly competitive space. And for us, we've always got to be one step ahead. So that's kind of some of the things I've been looking at. But in terms of personal development, man, I've been falling in love with Disney. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, we, uh, you look at Bob Iger and you look at these guys and what they've created that legacy, the product, the passion. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. If you guys have Disney Plus, go watch the making into the unknown of Frozen 2. And you will just get a completely new understanding of what goes into it. I just read the book Creativity Inc., which is the Pixar story. And these guys are absolute geniuses. They're they're modern day, you know, Michelangelos with what they've done. And not only that, but they've also created the most unbelievable business process um, across the board. So I've been I've been loving following uh, Disney quite a bit. Um, you know, Reed Hastings from uh, Netflix is always like super like that guy has got a great story. Been doing some pretty amazing things. Um... We, we, I, so I
2: watched the internet no one think, well, my I have, I have two young daughters yeah, blame it on the, blame six, it on the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. no no that's sure. that stuff I don't have that excuse <laughs> the behind the scenes stuff well, well like my wife started watching I'm like what is this so I jumped on board so that was good if you have Disney Plus there's the uh, something about Imagineering stories oh have God. you watched I that of series of course Absolutely. and I was so so. it's all about how Disney started the behind the scenes when they were building the parks and how they went into Japan and uh, it was just it was awesome and um, selfishly you know my even my daughter my older daughter she was loving it and I'm like I'm like this is great because she likes because of Disney but I just like the fact that she's watching and under trying to understand and understanding all the thought that was going behind everything so uh, yeah that type of stuff just incredible If and and to your point like if you're going to pick a company to to model or learn from that, that's got to be like yeah, yeah. yeah Bob,
1: you know Bob Iger had the book there The, the Ride of a Lifetime yep. that just came out also just like insanely inspiring and it's just crazy because when you watch someone do it at that scale oh. you kind of look and be like oh Okay, like it's just it's it's humbling, you know. And you start realizing, like, even if you could just pick 0001 percent of what they do and implement it into your business, it, it goes I remember when they distance. bought Marvel. Remember everyone attacked yeah. them?
0: A billion dollars for Marvel, wrong with you? and we knew the at that time we knew the value of a story. Yeah, like, this guy has the distribution network of ha- making movies and getting them out there. He just needed more stories to plug in. So even at that time, remember we're like, this thing is going. to... They got lo-.
2: that billion back in like two movies. because yeah. it was what was their yeah. two big one? I forget. Was the older Black billion? Panther. Yeah. like Bob Iger the, was yeah he did Black but it was the their, their earliest I forget their earliest movies that they did right after they bought Marvel I and forget anyways, too but they, they it own was because they didn't own Spider-Man, no, you know, Spider-Man Avengers still, started later it did, Avengers okay. started later I forget which one. you're right it was. was it just Iron Man? it might have been Iron Man but, it, but, yeah. but the, it basically hit like it took a while but eventually hit like a billion dollars so they didn't get the money back because it got the cost to produce it but then they did like one or two other movies and it paid for the whole flipping yeah, thing incredible. and then yeah by the time they got to Black Panther and all these other movies it was just the gravy on top. They're like they're
1: minting the money with those all those stories, right? I think it's crazy to think about that too, because imagine the pressure to make that decision. Look at the way it panned out oh God, now. Yeah. But that was a that was a do this. And either be where you're at today and be the king or you you fail like you're you're fired. And you got ripped. A lot of so, people ripped for. For sure. Right? So imagine like like just like you can take so much from just trying to put yourself in that mindset and be like, wow, you know, my problems today, I've got these little dinky problems, you know. This guy's like, Okay, I'm the newly appointed CEO and I'm gonna spend billions on this superhero thing. And if I'm wrong, I'm gonna look like a complete idiot and I'm gonna get fired if I'm right and I feel like I'm right and everyone's telling me that I'm wrong that's an amazing mindset oh, to be in
0: when early on when we were starting this business Nick and I had some problems just like you're talking about and when we, whenever we got sucked into the problems too deeply we always thought the problems that we're focusing on are too small we mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. bigger problems and I've always read about that mm-hmm. like you need bigger problems but I thought oh my gosh we need to focus on bigger problems for our business and as soon as we focused on the bigger problems the smaller ones just either went away or solved themselves. It was magical. Mm -hmm. And Walt Disney said something that Nick's always stuck with me. I don't know what the quote is exactly, where his team was coming to him and said the other theme parks were starting to copy Walt Disney, Disney World. Remember early on? And his quote was something along the lines of, we will invent faster than they can copy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that's the way to run business. And that's why for you doing True Local, and I'm sure you have competitor, pro. you know, if you just, someone like yourself who's so driven, so articulate the way you are, you put your head down and focus on your vision for True Local and you don't have any competition. Because it's going to come out in the way you speak. It's going to come out in the way you deal with customers. And you can't really, that is unique to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we're are we're, we're pumped for you, how, how would, Nick. I'm just going to wrap up. I wanted to ask how to. Yeah, that's fine. I just I see you up, madly Googling. No, because I look <laughs> up the
2: number. So it was 2009 that they bought Marvel for, and then the it was Iron Man was the first movie in 2010 after, and it was. Right. But it, here it's saying 600 million. That was that was in the past it was at 585 million US but then Iron Man 2 was 600 Avengers Endgame was th- 2.8 billion 2.8 2.8 was Endgame so they paid a billion I, I don't care that. what I know the cost for the pr- of production was high just for that movie you know for, but but who cares but, but that's was just the, the movie million. too
1: let's not talk about merchandise yeah. let's yeah. not talk about everything yeah, yeah, else yeah, yeah. You know. plus There's they're going to so build many. their little it's theme the parks course. in the,
2: in the um, you know uh you know what they're called? The parks? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah parks. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Fun place to go to. You know, the little <laughs> yeah, villages yeah, yeah. in there, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It, it was like such a good move, but at the time, and that's something else in business, I know I know we got to wrap up, but it's just, you know, I'm sure you've been through this. A lot of people look at you like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Why are you oh, doing yeah. that like you're crazy? And you just, you got to have that thick skin, man. It's a tough, and it's, sometimes it's tough to deal with you know, to
1: go through it, right? So, Well, our old boss said we were idiots for thinking about doing this. So yeah, that's always, you, you know, go. like that's good. a, Let a that motivated now. And then we had tons of people like in the early days being like, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody wants to do this online. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe you don't want to do it online right now this year, but wait till it normalizes in a year or two, you know? So it's all about taking those chances. Yeah. You know, good if you got a vision you're passionate for, just go after it. Pumped for you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. How do, what's the URL? How do people find you? Yeah. Um, so, actually, right now, once again, you know, what's today? September 25th. Um, so, you know, we're absolutely blessed. We made the cover of the Global Mail report on business. So, we're actually having, and yeah, once we were again, saying this is a, a surprise. It's a very GQ shot of you. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. So, it's just truelocal.ca. So, www.trulocal.ca. Um, we're on Instagram, obviously, um, at truelocal. But, um, yeah, check us out. You know, if, if you guys are looking to find a way to, to A, support the local economy, me right now and also get products delivered to your home it's, it's the a way to go i gotta give a huge shout out to my team you know every time i get an opportunity here i you know i feel like i can never thank them enough but it's been such a wild journey for the past four years and to be where we're at today we have so, still such a long way to go but you know the community has, has shown that you know we're onto something and it's said that if you know if we keep doing it they'll keep supporting us so i just want to give a big shout out to our community and, and our team awesome very cool thanks mark thanks for yeah. doing this man appreciate it <laughs> thanks for having me yeah.
0: Hey, everyone, it's Tom Crads again. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are looking for good quality meats, be sure to check out True Local. We're going to get regular updates uh, from Mark, which is pretty exciting. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate investing information, you can get access to some of the reports that we put together at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.